With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, we have Kelly Alcoin in the building to talk all sorts of shit. Kelly, how you living? How's life? What's good? Uh, well, like I was just saying before we started recording, it's snowing here in Brooklyn. I'm an old man. I've just been spending the entire day hurting my body, shoveling. Like we've gone like I, I four rounds of shoveling. It's just I'm too old for this shit. Well, you but other up. than that, I'm great. Thank you for asking. How many you inches go. you got? Two feet? What are we talking um, here? HR. I'm sorry. It's just like <laughs> we don't even know each other. What the hell? Um, so... We apparently, uh, we had, we're, they were expecting two feet at some point, but I think we got 16, 16 inches, but it's still coming down. So, so glad we'll I, I moved away from Boston three years oh. ago now. And, uh, we experienced like the worst snowstorm ever there. And then when I got back to Minnesota where I belong oh, right man. now. Um, it was tenfold. I mean, we've been getting snow like crazy here. Yeah. But you guys know how to handle it in Minnesota, right? We do. Yeah. I got yeah. like probably a smaller driveway than uh just about anybody and i got a motorized snowplow so oh sweet a motorized snowplow good lord yeah there's a guy who uh i went to college with who lives in my general neighborhood he's got a backyard um that's slightly sunken like say uh it's not great it's like um, a concrete backyard sunken about three inches from the rest of the yard and every year when this when it's cold enough he does this process he says he got he got it from me growing up in minnesota um this process where he puts water out hot water i guess or something so it freezes in a certain way and he does like three rounds of it and once every third year he gets like a perfectly smooth glassy finish and he has like um skating parties you know and it's a tiny little thing it's like 15 by 15, but he said that's his Minnesota thing. That's what you need to break your back a little more. And uh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so is that something that every Minnesotan does or was he just bullshitting me? No, it's, it's real. <clears throat> okay. I mean, whether it's your backyard pond or your big yeah. lake, you live creating an ice rink everywhere. And oh, uh, I'm a basketball guy, hence this show, but uh, my brother-in-law is a big hockey player and i mean yeah, you know, i gotta imagine it. that there's a bunch of minnesotans in the backyard like adam banks and mighty ducks just practicing it up with dad no that's yeah. so awesome i mean the basketball scene's coming around though i mean we had three or four draft picks this year so we're becoming less and less of a hockey state which is pretty awesome on my end <clears throat> but uh kelly my main opening question was what does dollar bill think of what's <laughs> going on on wall street right now <laughs> Uh, with AMC and Robin Hood. Now I need to hear in dollar bill terms. God damn. You know, I, I've, I always say to everybody and it's the truth. I know less about finance than unlike my character. I know less about finance than probably 
98% of the people listening to your show right now. Um, so I just had to, I, it took me forever to figure out what the fuck was going on. And then, you know, I don't, I still don't know. Part of me is just like, that's cool. You know, like just a bunch of guys coming and saying, fuck you, we're doing this. Um, there, it felt kind of like a dollar bill kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> they were outsiders, uh, coming in and shaking up the system. Dollar bill is certainly not an outsider, but the sort of punkish kind of, um, uh, sticking your jaw out and say, yeah, fucking hit me. I dare you. Um, that felt very dollar bill to me. You know, it's like Bonnie would do it. Dollar bill would do it. Um, it's the kind of thing we would have taken to ax and he would have been like, all right, go. Love it. That's yeah. It's just, it, it, I, I'm, I am uncertain <laughs> that I know exactly what happened, but, um, but it was fun to listen to all the breakdowns. It's yeah, interesting and fun, but uh, yeah. how many seasons are we getting here? Like, are we going to get up to five or how, how long this is going to go? I mean, this is one of my favorite shows. I mean, Oh, billions. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we were, awesome we were, ha- yeah, we were halfway through season five when we had to shut down. So when we come back, we're going to finish that. We've already been approved for season six or uh, renewed for season six. So when we do go back and hopefully it'll be real, I think it's going to be relatively soon at this point. Um, But uh, when we do go back, we'll finish shooting five and then we're going to go right into six. We're not going to have a a hiatus. So we won't be back on the normal schedule, but we won't be as far off as we might've been. We're going to have a a nod to this GameStop shit, perhaps. I have no idea. I, I mean, I, not only do, uh, are there no cast members on the writing team? um, They, deliberately tell us nothing um way ever i mean separation of church and state i do remember there was like a um when do you remember when uh, ari spiros got canned oh yeah and then uh he came to me with a plan and i was like i don't believe it but i was like gosh i gotta listen and then we sort of went in cahoots and there was this sort of weird odd couple like oh "Oh my god they're they, they don't necessarily really like each other but they have a fondness for each other i always liked that development that was fun but we did get there was uh, the the uh, Brian uh, Brian Koppelman uh, and David Levine, the uh, creators and showrunners and head writers, uh, took us aside and sort of gave us a sketch because they were so tickled. I think they'd just written it and they're like uh, written it written it. I just said written it. Sounded um, good. But they uh, they took us aside and said, "By the way, this is going to happen, um, uh, Kunks. You get fired." And so he, and Stephen was like, "Oh, that's." fun uh he's like no 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 but then you come back because you and dollar bill go to so we sort of got a general outline but that's rare we'd never really know anything um and i would guess that like damien and paul and maggie maybe uh if there's some huge plot points and, and asia who plays taylor um maybe they get like some sort of heads up this kind of thing is happening but we don't get the scripts until maybe um you know, a week before we start shooting. Wow. So you haven't um, seen season six script? Uh, we have not, I have not seen a single season six script, although they're well into writing it. I have just recently received um, the updated um, episodes uh, uh, eight uh, for season five, which we finished. We shot maybe three days of. So they're adjusting things a little bit for the back half of that episode. And I did get... Um, this is unusual, but probably just because we have so much time uh, to sit around and do nothing. I did get the next script, uh, episode uh, 10. 
so that's my roundabout answer. But uh, the actual answer to your question is, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wow, I, awesome. I, I follow Brian on Twitter and he has, he, I think he's getting irritated with everybody asking. <laughs> the last tweet I saw, his reply was like, gee, never thought of this. <laughs> After he received like 10,000 asking them. I mean, I would imagine as like the writer of a show, if you hadn't already come up with something like this, you see some something like this unfolding and you think, oh shit, we got to do that. And then Ah. you start to think, and then you, you know, you start to balance that with, oh, but now everyone's expecting us to do that. So what do we do? Right. Yeah. It's one of the things I've always loved about this show is that they never go uh, where you think they're going to go. And um, it's, uh, there's some obvious paths that would have been, perfectly acceptable that they always are like, nope, too obvious. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean, the thing that would, <laughs> the, the maybe the even worse thing would have been if they'd written that, uh, exactly that. Uh, and then pandemic and then it happened. down and then it happens and they're like, well, fuck, we can't do that now. <laughs> you know, so it's like the classic, I came up with that first, but no one's going to, no one's going to believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I guess from an improvisation standpoint, uh, What's it like compared to past shows? I mean, you say, you know, you don't know the scripts till last minute. You don't know what's going to happen ever. I mean, is this like other stuff you've been on or is this kind of a new thing? It's rare for, uh, it it is pretty much standard procedure that you don't get scripts ahead of time. And I don't mean literally last minute, although that can happen. Um, especially if you're shooting a show in New York and the writer's room is in Los Angeles, you know, they could be up till, 10 o'clock at night, changing scripts, they email you. It's one o'clock your time. You've already, you're asleep. So you wake up at five or four to go to work, um, at six on set. And, um, and all of a sudden you have three new pages of dialogue, 10 new pages of dialogue. So that can happen. And I've never been in in that situation. Um, I've never been a regular in that situation. Um, and it's hard enough if you're just a guest, um, guest for that week. But, um, so it is pretty standard procedure to um, for the cable shows that I've been on to um, to get a script maybe three days before you start shooting the episode, maybe a week. Uh, then you have the table read, and then you then you launch into it. Uh, there's and you asked about you you alluded to improvisation. Billions at least um, is zero zero percent improv everything even the contraction versus spelling like if it says can't you can't say cannot you have to say can't they're very it's very meticulous the way they write and uh there's a rhythm they know how they want the show to sound um there's a pace to the show and the way they write um sounds really great when you really drive it i've been told by some uh, by one director that one of the (laughs) first things they did after we got into the room uh, to edit after they completed, after they wrapped shooting that episode, one of the first things he did was told the editor, okay, take a half second out uh, between every uh, sentence, between every line, just take it out uh, without even looking at it. He just yeah. knew that that's what they were going to want. They wanted like, boom. Uh, so there's an, there's an aesthetic and like an overall style and feel and their, their approach is like one of, kind of mastery it's not like let's be fluid and figure it out it's like yo this is how it is and this is how we're going to execute it um i mean they're they're open to how to what we bring certainly it's just the script we can't fuck with the script uh they're not going to tell us what do you mean sorry say again 
like, how does that affect your preparation and you in general? Do you like, cause you said you can't even go a, like a, con, a contraction. Yeah. Off-road. It's, it's challenging, but it's, um, I mean, I've done a lot of Shakespeare and, and, and you can't change any of that either. Uh, so I, it's not completely, it's not beyond my realm, my, my experience. Um, it's certainly easier to, uh, to, um, memorize a piece when you know you don't have to be word perfect uh and then you can and you can then fill in the blanks you can you well and you can also find your way into a moment and a delivery that feels comfortable because you can add your own little thing you know you could even i don't know anything from repeating something for emphasis i was doing the americans at my first episode and matthew reese the scene i don't know if any of you have watched the americans it's brilliant you should totally watch it but uh, there's a scene where he comes in at me. He's in, he's in my uh, office. I'm a pastor and I've done something that he, whatever. He comes in with his killing gloves on and um, he, he, he tends to strangle people. I don't know this about him, but he's sort of menacing. And there's a scene where he says, uh, I would do anything for my daughter. And then the, then I say something afterwards. But in this one take, he said, I would do anything for my daughter. I would do anything. And with his finger for my daughter, just adding that line, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but it was so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and the emphasis was important. Uh, so, so you could do that to help you sort of find that moment. Um, because that is actually coming from you. It's their line, but you know, you're adding your, 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 the repetition is something that helps you land uh, that moment really specifically, or, or you can judge the line a little bit, or you can even add something um, uh, in certain circumstances. And that makes it easier in some ways to, uh, to be true to the reality of the moment and to find something spontaneous and kinetic. If you're just, if you have to be word perfect, you have to find another way to do that. Um, and when it works for me and, um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the first to admit that I have scenes that I on billions that I, on every show that I'm not as happy with as, performance is a mind that I'm not as happy with as others. But when it works for me, it's because I've gotten so familiar with the lines, so word perfect that I can kind of transcend it. You let it go. You get to that point where you're, you're not searching for it at all. And it becomes freeing that, that amount of discipline actually becomes um, like, it's like the apparatus that a gymnast is working on or something. It, it, it's, it's a tool to help launch you into something. Um, so, but it's a different, it's a different kind of attack on a scene. So I can relate to that because in a different, different life, Kelly, I was, uh, I had a successful underground rap career. Oh, sweet. I I thought you were about to say you were a gymnast. (laughs) Yes. I hit the balance beam. No, um, my, my balance is actually awful, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I would do shows all over the place. I'd record whatever you have to memorize the words to your songs. Right. And when you have something memorized to the bone, the way you're talking about, you know, you can just like, you can focus on the other aspects of what you're doing, how you're delivering it. You know, if you're, if you're recording, it's like how you're delivering it. If you're doing a show, audience engagement, whatever. But when you don't have it memorized to the bone, then it kind of controls like where your brain is at. So I, I, that's how I relate to what you're saying. So pretty interesting. Um, yeah. And if you, because if you, if, if you don't have it memorized with the bone and, um, and it's not a piece of, of a performance or a show where you need to, then you can let yourself uh, for auditions. I always tell actors when they're auditioning for something, memorize the fuck out of it, but, but don't let 
flubbing a word trip you up. I, mm-hmm. It's much more important when you're auditioning to make to, to create something that's alive and living and has the right energy. And the writers are not going to be unless I mean a handful might be, but they're not going to be dicks and they're not and say, well, you know, he said wouldn't when I wanted him to say shouldn't. Uh, if you bring the the emotion of the scene and the vibe of the scene that they want or the character. Um, and so, yeah, if you're if, if you're in a situation like you're talking about um, and you're not memorizing the bone, then don't try. Right. Uh, then you cut your losses and just be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to have the script as a uh, as an outline and I'm going to vibe off of it because I right. know it's not going to work when I'm reaching because then, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of dead behind the eyes. There's nothing, there's nothing really spontaneous about it. It can be fine, but it's not going to sing. It's not going to really fucking flow. I mean, it's Uh, art, not science. Right. So like when you're, you know what I mean? So like if you're memorizing and you're stuck, like you're saying, you can see that you can see that on someone's face when they're kind of like stuck blank and they're they're like performing the action, but it's not, you know, the warmth is not there. The the context because they, because they haven't got it to the bone. They haven't transcended it. Like you can get to that point when it's so deeply memorized that it's transcendent because Mm -hmm. it becomes something to launch with. Just like you're saying, when you're, you can focus on those other things that are exciting. Anyway. Yeah. I I love that because they are totally different ways of attacking um, art and they're both valid and they're both, they both can be amazing. Um, So looking back on your career, what's some of the stuff you're most proud of? I mean, just what pops off the most when you're thinking about your, your highlights from your career. You're making a living buzzer beaters. (laughs) That's right. Uh, For me, it's been, uh, been able to, have been making a living as an actor. Um, I, I didn't have anybody else in my family who was a, a professional artist of any sort. And um, so I didn't really know what to expect. It took me a long time to even admit to everybody that I wanted to be an actor. Um, it was my high school botany teacher in sophomore year that, uh, that I told first, how random is that? Um, pretty cool. But um I'd say, yeah, it is so incredibly hard to make a living. I remember the first year, I don't know, 15 plus years ago, when I realized I hadn't had to cater and I hadn't had to uh, do this other sort of spy job thing I had um, uh, down in Chinatown looking for counterfeit Rolexes and stuff, which was actually fun, but um, I didn't have to do that. Um, Got to hear more about and, that at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Notice how I casually dropped that in. Yeah, back in right. the day when I was a spy. Uh, no, but <laughs> when I realized I didn't have to do anything else, I hadn't for that year. <clears throat> I kind it kind of made me sit out. I remember sitting down and taking it on my roof, looking from Brooklyn over at the Manhattan skyline, and I brought up like a beer or something, and I just was like, "Wow, that's that's an accomplishment." Um, and I know that doesn't sound, it's not glamorous, doesn't sound fancy, but that's all I ever wanted was to be able to make a living doing this thing. I love, um, I, I came to New York because I was a theater guy at the time. There was, there were a few things shooting here. Um, periodically it was law and orders, law and order series and all that. But, um, I made the choice. It was like, I don't care about being a star i just want to be a working actor um and i want to do interesting things for me that choice was new york and then fortunately about 10 years ago tv arrived here and so much of the stuff that i think is the best 
um, uh, the best TV work is shooting in New York. It's like that cable model, you know, like 10 to, or maybe eight to 13 episodes. Um, and so, yeah, I've been, I've been lucky. So that is honestly, uh, number one, that is my absolute favorite accomplishment is being able to make a living. Um, the one award I've won the dream. Yeah. The, the only uh, acting award I've ever won is, um, uh, a drama desk, which is, um, it, it encompasses all New York theater, Broadway, off Broadway, off, off, if it, if it qualifies. Um, and we want, I did a show that was a big ensemble piece and, um, we won, um, outstanding ensemble of the year. And if any of the people who know me, I much prefer doing ensemble shows. I love being a part of an ensemble as opposed to, uh, a person who's up there alone all the time, although that can be fun too, but ensemble matters to me. I think it's part of what drew me to theater to begin with, drew me to acting to begin with. Um, it's why I like team basketball. You know, it's why I loved the 77 Portland trailblazers. It's why I love the uh, triangle offense, even though I hated the bulls. Um, eh, so that maybe that would be the second one. I, I try to come up with more, but I'm talking, no, you ask great. a question and I talk and talk and talk, but yeah, that, that award, uh, uh, an ensemble award that just epitomizes what I give a shit about with acting. Kelly, um, <laughs> not to entirely switch gears, but I have to ask you this while sure. it's on my mind. Um, so you play, there is one of my favorite television characters in recent history is a gentleman by the name of Douglas Stamper. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Doug Stamper, straight up hilarious, awesome character. Some of the shit yeah. Doug Stamper does as well. You were his brother. Yeah. Yeah. So I was wondering, I just wanted to hear about that role and you know, uh, that experience. That was a big break for me on TV. Um, I, I had a lot of guest spots before and even a couple that were, well, a couple that were supposed to be recurring like on blue bloods and, and, uh, even Sopranos, small recurring things, but that never panned out. Um, and then what, 10 years ago or so, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know what I was auditioning for. They gave me a scene. They're very secretive. They gave me a dummy script, which was a scene between a kid, a, a young man and his father, but the emotions like the semi estrangement and the trying to break through mirrored what the, um, what the characters were going to be going through. The two brothers would be going through. And I loved it. And I was actually sort of disappointed when I found out, Oh, it's not going to be this thing. This is such a great scene. Right. Um, but it was great. I, um, uh, I, I love being on the road. I love hotels. <laughs> so I'd go down to Baltimore on the train and, and shoot these and stay for like, you know, three, four days. Awesome. Um, I did four episodes. It was always with Michael Kelly who plays Doug Stamper. Uh, I never had a scene with anybody else. And I just love that guy. He is one of the coolest First of all, he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. But, um, and really um, flexible. I mean, he's got tons of range. He, people might not know that because he plays heavies a lot, but. He was um, in Sopranos too. I think he had some small roles, if I remember correctly. Oh, did he? I didn't know. I, I should ask him. I'm, I'm pretty Actually, sure he was one of the the agents. Like, you know how the agents or the, the cops or whatever are always hanging out at the spot and like talking to Tony and whatever. I think. Yeah. I think he is one of the the agents in one of those scenes, but I don't, I don't think he talks. If I That's remember. so interesting because I was, 
that the role that was supposed to become recurring for me was one of those agents. I was in, I had one line, one scene, I was in the back of a car, uh, Dred Imateo and the, the woman, uh, the, fee, the FBI woman, uh, agent, the woman uh, was in, we're in the car pouring down rain, which was fake by the way, but <laughs> I was in another car. We drove up, screeched to a halt and I get in, I'm all wet. And I, and I sit in the back seat while I'm listening and I look really pissed. And, um, and then I lean forward with a picture and I say, was this man with him? And she says, yes. And that'll look even more pissed. And then I get out and the car screeches away. And I was like, and they were like, yeah, you're going to be back a lot. We do, we, we, you know, it's pr- probably not, not a ton of stuff to do, but you'll be here. And we like to have the, the, the same faces coming in and then nothing. Mm. Um, but maybe how funny would it be if that had worked for me and we would have met years before. Yeah. Um, awesome. But he's such a, well, I was just, well, go ahead. No, keep, keep going. I was just going to ask what, if you remember what season and episode of the Sopranos you were on. I, I think you're talking about when Adriana is being like caught up with the FBI and they're trying to get her to. Yes. Her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To Probably. flip. And I, and I show her a picture of someone who's been brutally murdered. Um, Cause apparently that happens on that show. Um, of course. Yes. All your but, bio says is the episode, the rat pack. Oh, okay. The there you go. Pack. Okay. Uh, but I just want to, I want to make sure I don't pass over um, the opportunity to compliment Michael Kelly, the way he should be complimented. Such a sweet guy bent over backwards to make me feel comfortable. Um, Bo Willimon, uh, was great too. He's the, uh, he was the, uh, showrunner, um, just bent over backwards. And, um, there was a scene I remember with the, this, the director was, she was great, but damn, she was, she was hard. Um, but she was a great director. Uh, her stuff came out fantastic, but she wasn't, if she didn't think you were, uh, bringing what she wanted, she wouldn't, she didn't yeah it was like your feelings i i i i am not here to to <laughs> to massage your feelings and so i was getting a little like oh god i really suck and uh at this one moment that i just wasn't hitting cuz i couldn't understand what she was looking for and then he just he was he, he it was a combination of try this maybe like an interpretation maybe this is what she's thinking try this and it was just sort of a technical thing um instead of racking my brains and emotions about what what i couldn't what she might have wanted um and that worked and then he also was just sort of uh always had an arm on my shoulder when uh if it, if it seemed like i was starting to get down um and we had a blast we had a blast our chemistry was great and um and he's just a he's a real sweetheart so shout out to michael kelly and before we wrap up on anything sopranos related did you by any chance have the opportunity to be around or to work with james gandolfini I did not. Um, my only scene was that one scene. Um, and it was, it was fun. I, you know, working with a stunt man and a stunt driver and everything. It was, it, it was great. I, I really thought this is the beginning of, uh, of a long fun run <laughs> and it wasn't, but I remember my friend calling me up and saying, no, no, it was great. You look really mad. Good job. It's <laughs> like, okay. You heard it, folks. Dollar Bill is coming back sooner than later. You've been listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life in Dash Radio. Back to more stories from Kelly Aukum. Looking back at TV cameos and little small roles you had that you wish... um, is there any roles you wish that uh, didn't cut you off so early or you think that 
you were doing extremely well and should have prolonged and they just cut you off before, before they did? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, it would have been really fun to continue with the Sopranos. It, it wouldn't have necessarily been an artistically rewarding experience. I was just going to be around, but being a part of that would have been fun, especially at that point in my career it was, it was pretty young still. Um, watching how they do things. And then maybe I would have had a chance to work with some of the other actors, but, uh, um, blue bloods would have been fun. You know, it was, uh, it was the type of character I was playing a lot. Um, uh, district attorney behind a desk, um, uh, not district attorney. What was I? It was, it was a, it, I was in the police force actually, but it was, um, anyway, but behind a desk and, and, and the kind that the, the, blue collar people all hated. I was a bit of a pencil neck, you know, a little douchey. So that could have been fun to, to see how douchey I could have gotten in subsequent ep- episodes. Um, maybe a little respect. spiracy. It just like it, it, from the point of view of the main characters, probably um, not necessarily having their best interests in mind. I'm more of a big picture guy. No, I don't necessarily have their back, maybe an internal affairs kind of thing um where or like like Ari Spiros right he's he's compliance he's necessary for a hedge fund because he's the one who will make sure we don't overstep the bounds or if we do overstep that we can hide it you know that sort of thing the wink wink nudge yeah yeah right but um there's a reason why the showrunners made him the most annoying person on the show <laughs> uh because compliance people don't like compliance people don't like in the business don't like compliance people in you know police the police officers generally speaking seem to not like internal affairs because the perception is that they don't have their back um so i think i probably i I, it would have been fun to see if it's always fun to be the asshole you know um and it can be fun and funny if you're the bumbling asshole like spiros um, it can be fun to be the, the, you know, dollar bill has had his moments of being the assholes or wags or something like those types of badass or characters can be sort of badass and fun. Um, and, uh, so there was just, there was an opportunity there. And then I did uh, some stuff on, um, uh, blacklist. I had three episodes on B- blacklist to end season six, maybe something like that. And they were introducing a new big bad, um, a Russian guy, an oligarch. And I was his, uh, his side man. And I, by all accounts, I was going to be back because the, the final three episodes were introducing this character. The whole next season was going to be about this, this guy as an antagonist. And I was, and it was all like, yeah, and you'll be here, you'll be the henchman. And so I was going to have a lot of these episodes and that would have been fun too. Um, cause I, I was like, I was almost killed in one episode and I was uh, you know, snarky phone calls where I'm threatening people. And again, being the sort of mean asshole, bad guy. And then that just, that just didn't, nothing happened. They went back to shooting and I was like to my agent, I was like, but um, are they gonna, <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, I, I think. And, and then they found out, no, they don't have, they're not going forward with it um, with your character. And I was like, well, why? And they're like, they just, they just aren't. It's like, okay. And I, I didn't see the next season. Maybe they just decided he didn't need a henchman. Maybe they wanted um, something slightly different than an old bald guy. But uh, uh, anyway, if they're listening now, I'm still available. I'm still still available. So 
that's awesome. I, we appreciate all you taking the time to, you know, tell us all the acting stories. Very sure. interesting. Always awesome to hear that perspective. So now I would like to shift a little bit uh, into the heart of what we do. Basketball. You are yeah. a lifelong Portland Trailblazers fan. Um, and there's a lot that comes with that from <laughs> championships to Sam Bowie to uh, Greg Oden to oh Brandon Roy, unfortunately. To yeah. Jordan, I skipped over Jordan uh, beating mm. you. You know, losing Drexler, Drexler wins a title. Tons of stuff to cover. Missing out on Kevin Durant. Um, Man, it's one so, of the most roller coasters of a history when you're going at it like that. That's, listen, yeah. I'm a, I, I'm I'm bringing it all up because Kelly, I'm from Houston. I'm a Rockets fan. Okay, and we yeah. have our our fair share of pain as well. Sure. Um, and so I was just going to ask, man, like, what's it been like over the years? Like, what are your favorite moments? Where are you at with the team? Just let's talk Blazers. Right. I mean, you know, you, your guys did steal Drexler from me and give him his championship. Speaking That's of which, correct. That's right. um, and you did win two championships back to back under uh, Hakeem. Uh, right. So, so yeah, you, you, you've had your share of, of, of hurt, but you have a much more recent championship than I do. I'm getting defensive already. <laughs> now, I put that in perspective too. Cause like, so for me, the sadness is like, you know, okay, it's 2021 and some of my favorite, most awesome highlights are from 1994 and 1995. And when you put it in perspective, it's like, geez, that's almost three, three decades. Right. And Portland, what, 1977? And that's 1977. Almost five decades. So like, yeah, it helps. It helps. I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm just saying, I'm trying to say it helps me out because sometimes. What you're I trying to out. say is that your life is better than mine. Is <laughs> my what I'm hearing. My yeah, fandom. Your, fa- your fan life. Um, so, yeah, 1977. I, uh, oh, man. I was at a, a perfect age for that to happen. I was 10 years old. And um, we had just moved the previous year from Oregon to Washington, D.C. My dad was a congressman for 18 years. Um, and uh, so we moved from a small town in Oregon. My family was from the mountains. Uh, we lived in a small town outside of Portland. Um, and DC was huge. You know, it was a big city and the Eastern cities are just a different vibe than, um, than West coast cities. And Portland was the biggest city I ever had ever seen. And Portland then was pretty sleepy. Um, so when the blazers won and this is like 90, so we moved there in 75, like East, East coast cities were going bankrupt, right? Uh, New York almost went bankrupt. It was an interesting time. But I remember it was like, it, uh, no bullshit, it was like the team reached through the radio or the TV or wherever we were watching it, just be like, it's okay, kid, it's going to be fine. Like a little bit of Oregon followed me. And I remember being on a playground playing basketball when we were down 0-2. And, and they just like the kids just started giving me shit because I was I was very I was vociferous about my fandom. Even then they started giving me shit. And then we took the next four. And the first time I went back when we were when we had it, I remember distinctly we hadn't we hadn't won the fourth game yet. It was just the third. We were up three, two. And they start like <laughs> I showed up after school and a couple of the kids just like, were like, yeah, man. It was like, it was so different. It was, I was like a little mini celebrity for 30 seconds. Um, so I'll always love the trailblazers for that. Um, but you know, 10 years old, man, that's when, 
that's when your your fandom is fired you know that's when it's like that crystallizes so it made it all the harder when we were i think 50 and 10 the next season and um and then walton goes down mm. so that was pretty devastating except that my adopted east coast team the washington bullets won mm. the championship Okay. And um, so for me, there was a part of me that thought, all right, so this is how fandom works, right? You like a team and then they win championships. Right? <laughs> I'm going to love this. And that was the last one I've ever had. Um, but that hey. Bullets team, as uh, I don't know if you've read the Bill Simmons book, uh, book of basketball, he calls, he's, at, he's got a chapter about the all asterisk championship teams. Yep. That Washington Bullets team is the on the all asterisk team uh, uh, list because Bill Walton went down. Okay. Um, and I, I could have kissed him for saying that. He's a oh, big definitely. Jack Ramsey fan. He's a big, Bla- like, 70s sure. Blazer fan. Yeah. Huge Bill but, Walton guy. Yeah, jo- joining yeah. that all asterisk list would be the 2018 Houston Rockets when Chris Paul's hamstring, you know, gave out on us in game five. That um, would be I, – I, 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 I bet he would agree, yeah. Um, but they also, like uh, – they had – so my fa- my guy um, – on that Bullets team was Bobby Dandridge, who had been with um, Lou Alcindor before he was uh, he was uh, uh, Kareem uh, in Milwaukee and won a championship. But I love that guy. I love that guy. And when I was playing on the in the um, on the after school, the weekend league, I was always like, "I'm Bobby Dandridge. I'm Bobby Dandridge." And um, so that was fun. Uh, Maurice Lucas was my guy with the Blazers, and um, although I love Bill Walton. Uh, what's like then you know then i was back in portland um uh, starting my acting career when the drexler teams really took off um terry terry porter was my guy then i love the fact that he got like terry porter duckworth uh, Dr- duckworth jerome kersey like i love that the that they put together this team besides clyde and even he was he was not in the top 10 top drafted in top 10 like even our superstar of superstars was not expected to be as great as he was. It was, a, it, there was something really exciting about a team that, that congealed that way. Oh, uh, Duck- one, one of my favorite players ever, man, Cliff Robinson. And Cliff dude. Robinson, Uncle Cliffy. Uh, yeah. Dude. Yeah, one of the it best six me men off. you're going to see. It pisses me off when uh, people, because one of the things that people try to say when they, when they try to argue that, you know, Michael Jordan is whatever, when they try to demean Michael Jordan's career, they say he didn't play, you know, awesome teams in the finals. And people, always, they point to the, you know, it's, it's mostly kids that don't know their history, but they'll point to the yeah. Blazers and they're like, oh, that team. And it's like, man, if you don't know that team, you don't know that team. But like, right. that doesn't mean yeah. that they weren't good. You know, Cliff Robinson, Duckworth, Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter, yeah. Clyde Drexler, like. Yeah. Super and underrated. Danny Ainge, you know, like uh, off the bench too. You had, you oh, had like Danny, Danny Ainge. Ainge. Uh, he had a championship pedigree, obviously. He, uh, he wasn't a starter anymore, but he certainly was great, for, good for 20, 25 great minutes off the bench. Drazen Petrovic was just starting to come into his own before we traded him to oh. the Nets. Um, Jermaine O'Neal couldn't find time on that team. That's how, that's how stacked that's this team was. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Blazers have always been known for being just super underrated and having teams that clicked and always remaining pretty relevant for the most part. Yeah. We needed to get that one championship either in the Drexler years or in the, um, the Sheed years. Mm. That one championship uh, would have helped, uh, helped uh, solidify that. But on the topic of Jordan, 
you know, he also played um, the the Malone Stockton Jazz two times in a row, two times, years in a row, yeah. all time. No, I, I know, but I'm, I'm I'm telling you, I know, I know you're kids. not. I, I know you're not saying, uh, but I'm 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 pointing at you, but scolding the kids. The Barkley sons, the Barkley, Dan Marley, Tom Chambers son. Dude, Tom Chambers every, was on that team. Every team they played, Danny Ainge also, I think he left Portland and then was on that Barkley Suns oh. team that went to the finals. Oh, I'd forgotten that. That's funny. Name, yeah. name it, but, yeah, dude, like Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, like those were teams, yeah. dude. Those Supersonics, yeah. like those Supersonics, people forget they won. I think I, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think they won 56 games or more in like five out of six seasons or something in the mid nineties. And a couple of those were oh, 60 plus win seasons. Like, come on. They didn't play the bulls. They'd be champions. That, that's that sort of thing. Kind of like the rockets. If they didn't play the warriors, that sort of deal. But, yeah. And it's the kind of thing you think about Clyde Drexler too. And I, um, if, if Jordan hadn't been around, he would have been in the MVP, MVP conversation every year. Yeah. Uh, Barkley did get one. Um, at a certain point they couldn't, <laughs> they felt that they couldn't give Jordan the, the trophy every year, but you know, by on merit, he should have got it every year. It's if fucking could, amazing. If you could take back one big, what if outside of Jordan, obviously outside oh, of Jordan, that's the, that's okay. the no brainer. Um, what is, what is your pick? Oh. Um, whether it's like brand Roy or Greg Oden, um, or it, Yusuf Nurkic going down a couple of years ago. <laughs> is it stuff that, yeah, you're talking about stuff that we could have done differently or just if I can magically change the universe? Magically change, like, a, the universe, an, an injury or a player not leaving you or something like that. There's so many, dude. I know. Um, look, they, the Blazers, you, I will fight anyone who says that the Blazers aren't the most injury-hamstrung team of the past 20, 30 years. They're up there. It's just fucking nuts this is the second year in a row where three uh, three fifths of our starting lineup are out for significant uh, type uh, significant time um just when we thought cj just when uh, we thought cj was like this is the mediocre sub all-star he comes out looking all nba and having his all-star season year seven or eight whatever he's in just out of out of nowhere turns Uh, another it's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'll quibble with mediocre, but, uh, but yeah, borderline all-star I, I will, I will grant you, uh, yes, versus what he's doing now. And I love CJ too, man. And he's so, yeah, I love listening to his interviews and everything. I would probably have to, he had to come have the game of his career to, to open the season against the Rockets. Yeah. You know? I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, um, I'd have to say not drafting Durant. I mean, it's the hindsight is 2020, but a lot of people forget that. And I even did all kinds of screen captures. I was so obsessed with, I couldn't believe we got the first pick. And I remember joking, half jokingly saying, I wish we'd had the second pick (laughs) because I don't want to make, I would not want to have to make this choice. Um, And uh, what was it? I did screen captures of who, like what sports um, writer said who should be picked. And you had a little, you know, a little head of Odin or a little head of Durant, like a, a fun graphic on the ESPN website and say, uh, say there were 20, 18 out of 20 said, you got to pick Greg, Greg Odin. Everybody said, you got to do it. Very, very few people went against the grain. 
Mm. And, you know, Odin was, he was primed to be fantastic. He was just putting together a, a string of all-star st- uh, level performances. I think the, bit, the the last full game he played was something like, you know, 16 points, 22 rebounds, eight blocks, six assists or something like that. I mean, the guy was primed and he just had a glass body, which is so tragic. But I think you got you to gotta take Durant. Um, the thing that, that breaks my heart as much as anything else was uh, Brandon Roy, because that guy was that guy was fire, man. Um, but then, yeah, uh, Nurk going down again this year. Oof. I did not see the game um, that uh, where Nurk went down with the leg two years ago. Uh, and I'm really glad be- because I just, I, 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 somebody text uh, tweeted, I guess I was looking at the Twitter feed and people were just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like it was so the reaction was so um, immediate and, uh, and huge that I, 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 to this day, I've never searched out video. I don't want to, I don't want to see that. I just yeah. remember someone describing, he was like pushing, he was on his butt, pushing himself away as if he was trying to get away from the leg, which was flopping behind him. Oh God. <sighs> I wanted to say, um, I was one of the people, not because I had the foresight, because I was biased, because I went to the University of Texas. I was uh, one of the people saying, got to draft KD, got to draft KD. Um, wow. And, and it's, it's so eerily reminiscent of picking Sam Bowie over Jordan, both oh, position, you know, the yeah. fact that it was like a center over a perimeter guy, and then the center gets injured, and then the perimeter guys both yep. go on to be all-time greats, and it's just like... Yep. Gotta, I know it, it blows the mind, doesn't it? I but, mean, but you the, know, and, you, can it real quick? What, what I yeah. share with you though, is that there's rumors. There were legitimate rumors that the Rockets had some type of deal on the table to, I think trade, I think it was Ralph Sampson and their first to Portland for, I want to say, Cla- I want to say something. I think Clyde Drexler and uh-huh. your, or something like that. Basically, the Rockets could have been, there was a deal on the table where the Rockets were going to trade with Portland. They're going to trade Ralph Sampson and their pick to Portland, and it would have allowed them in some fashion to then draft <laughs> Michael Jordan with Hakeem and possibly also get one of your better players at the time, which might have been Clyde Drexler. Even without that, they could have put Hakeem and MJ together. So that eats at me because that would have been insane. insane. I'd never heard that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it is insane. I mean, it, it, you, oh, I don't know. I, I know conventional wisdom at the time. The, the, okay, the big difference between the, 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 the Odin and the Bowie picks are that Odin was primed to be dominant. And he, even like he broke, he broke a wrist or something, and he had to shoot. He played the entire, his entire uh, final season, or the, uh, his college season, um, left-handed. Yeah. And that was like, so it, in a way it was like, Oh my God, this is, that's actually incredible. And he was, he was effective. Um, how resilient he's ambidextrous. Oh my God, this guy's going to be great. He just has to heal. But no one had the sense that he was fragile. Like you break a wrist. That's a fluke injury. Um, Bowie missed um, two seasons with the broken legs. And I just, and he was fine. He was good senior year, but he wasn't dominant. And right. so it was kind of like, I don't know. No, nobody knew Jordan was going to be what he was. They all thought he, would be, he was going to be a great wing, but no one knew that no one knew that he was going to be as, as brilliant as he was hindsight, yeah. et cetera. But that's, that's, that's crazy. 
conventional wisdom was taking the big. So I get it. Take the big. We already had Clyde Drexler. That was going to be, but can you, I mean, think now, now the way people think of things, Drexler and Jordan would have been, Drexler and Jordan would have been like Curry and Clay, or I don't know, Harden and Chris Paul or something. No, no, sorry. Sorry. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade and LeBron. It would have been Wade and Mm -hmm. LeBron before Wade and LeBron. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I would have been just as good, if not better than him and Scotty. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to know, where, where are you at with this current team now? I mean, are you still all in on Terry Scott? Oh, yeah. Are you one of those oh, guys yeah. that are trying to push him out? I mean, you got nope. Dame Lillard, one of the most fun franchise cornerstones of all time. I mean, yep. no matter how good or bad the Blazers are, I mean, Dame always makes it fun. I mean, where you are with yeah. the team, because I was absurdly high before the year. I mean, we had Nasir Little on right before the start of the year, and then he oh. goes last night so we were celebrating for him but yeah oh i didn't know you had him on that's great he he seems like a great guy and i i was really in so much potential uh i i'm was really glad to see that last night even though i wasn't as happy about the rest of the game right um, I, yeah i think so um i i'm all in i'm always all in i'm a lifer i bleed blazers red man and um i i am i am not I'm deeply, uh, uh, I'm a huge fan of Stotts. And I think that um, to whatever extent he gets shit, it's all, he, he hasn't had a full starting lineup uh, in, in, a, in a minute now. And um, previous seasons, he hasn't had teams that could really compete at the highest level. Show me a season when he's had an underachieving team. It just, it just hasn't happened. Um, it's tough, right? Yeah. And this, this was so season. refreshing. This is so refreshing because you sound like a Rockets fan and therefore <laughs> I'm not crazy is what that means. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, I, I don't like the, the coach shakeup just for the sake of it. I think it's right. short-sighted. It, um, it just, it's not, it, su- it, it's not substantive, you know, it's like, no. it's punitive. It's, it's just, yeah. And, yeah. It's exactly. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I think Stotts has been, he's a, he's a movement guy, but he's also uh, adapted to, uh, to what Damon CJ can, can bring to the team when they haven't had the pieces to do that flow, that flow type offense that they, that, 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 that they're so good at. They were for so long, you know, like when they had, uh, when they had Aldridge, they had uh, Batum, they had West, they had, uh, um, uh, and Dame, that was a team where you could really you know, like make the next pass, you know, not don't make the, the extra pass, but make the next one even. Um, but they've had to shift a little bit. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm all in on this team. I'm all in. I love watching them. It, it is sort of surreal still. It was kind of fun watching uh, in the bubble. I didn't mind the lack of audience as much then because it was like, thank God it's back. And the quality of the games was so great. Um, I'm having a little bit of a harder time watching these games without fans early in the season where things, I mean, just inevitably the seasons are so long that just doesn't matter as much yet. Um, and it's been some of the best fans known to man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Places like Portland and Oklahoma city have great home court advantages and that has been stripped of them quite frankly. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I would love to see a game. What's it called? The Rose garden. Let's see. Rose it was Rose Garden. The, no, the Moda Center. Center. The Moda but Center. I, I, I still say Rose Garden. Yeah. Yeah. But and, you know, I, I didn't know until I went to Portland and visited Portland 
I did not understand why it was called the Rose Garden. And when I found out wh- why it was called the Rose Garden, I was like, that is so cool. That is cool. <laughs> shit. But, yeah. And my, so my, my wife is, uh, was, grew up right outside of Pasadena. And um, Pasadena, obviously, the Rose Parade and Rose City and all that. So when I told her that Portland was actually also nicknamed the Rose City, she, she, you know, she was like, <laughs> oh, please, son. <laughs> uh, but yeah, International Rose Testing Garden, which is and it's a great park above the city. Uh, beautiful, dude. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I bet a lot of people get proposed to there. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But, um, I might try to renew my vows with my wife when we go up there. You should definitely go to a game, dude. It's so much fun. Um, and I, one of the great joys of my life uh is, no bullshit is that um is that i've become friends with the broadcast team oh heck yeah. um, brooke awesome. olsendam who is uh, uh that was their sideline reporter now is uh, does uh does uh, an analysis uh, at halftime uh, I be- I'm, I'm sure she'll go back to doing that i guess she will probably um one they can actually have more people in the stands but kevin calabro who was an all-timer he's now been replaced by lamar hurd um i mean jordan kent and lamar hurd and uh some of the guys in the background and uh brian wheeler who's one of the great radio voices of all time like i've gone out drinking with them and i just i the the 12 year old in me that 10 year old in me is just like this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me (laughs) you know what i mean but awesome man i would uh Bill Worrell is a longtime Rockets announcer. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was doing the games when they won the, the championships and like, that's the voice of the Rockets. So I'm not friends with him, but that would be awesome if I was. But, it's uh, just maybe- it, it, There's some connection to it, you know, those voices and, and then you're, you're sitting across from them and it's like, I can't, I, I, I you're going to have to repeat what you said. I wasn't <laughs> listening to what you said. I was just listening to your voice. But, <laughs> it's ingrained in my brain. Um, yeah. Well, we'll definitely, definitely have to catch a game at the Moda Center at some time. Hopefully the Rockets are up there and I can yeah. go check them out. Um, Kelly, I think we, at this moment, have to argue in and run. But thank you so much for, for spending your time, dude. We, we had a, I had a blast talking to you and talking about your acting career and your Blazers fandom. Like I said, nice to know that Rockets fans aren't crazy. We share experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. With, with other fan bases. Zach, any la- – oh, I was going to ask you be- before we go – Given the the state of the team and the fact that CJ's down and all the context, what outcome will you be happy with with the Blazers? And we can end it on that note. Like, what what will um, make you happy? First round exit, second round exit, the play in game. I mean, happy. Uh, oftentimes, when people answer this question, it's uh, they sort of assume that it means um, you'll be angry otherwise, or you know, I, I I'll I'll always well, love this team. I love you. Don't stars. have to be. I, I would. I think we are still. It's still possible we could get in the second round. Okay, uh, I, do too. And, I agree. Yeah, and there there are ways we're developing new guys, and actually Simons, Gary Trent's building on what he did in the bubble. Simons has, has had a handful of good games. If we get a little in, uh, to to make some growth too, I think we really have something. And my Gary guy Coving- Covington will figure it out. He's a friend of the he's show. Not, and- he's not. Yeah, he's not a. Uh, what, what is he shooting under twenty percent right now? Right now, yeah. and I. Guarantee finishes. It's not that. I mean, yeah, he always, I, I always like that guy. Covington, yeah, yeah I like Covington that guy. shooting 27%. Yeah. yeah. He's going to no, so, rise to the mean, I think. Bruce has got a little chubby that he got rid of him and he's happy down in Houston. No, so. no I, I, lo- I love Robert Covington, but I'm given the way he's playing this season and given that yeah. <laughs> we had to give up Robert Covington to get Christian Wood, I'm, I'm really happy with the trade off. Robert Covington sure. was 
amazing for the Rockets in the playoffs in the bubble. He was amazing. Yeah. He was straight yeah, up was. fan favorite. The, the day he got traded, it was before Harden and all that, and Westbrook got, Westbrook got traded, but it was among the rumors. And so when he got traded, all Rockets fans thought, oh, man, we're blowing it up. Like, if they're giving up Covington, yeah. we are definitely blowing it up. Um, and they, they ultimately tried to keep Harden. But, you know, the play was to get yeah. Christian Wood. So given that, I'm cool with it. But no, Robert, it's sad to yeah, see that he's no. not making the impact that I thought he would for Portland. He has um, been defensively. Um, it's just he's not shooting well. But I, I think that's – he's not yeah. going to – it's going to get better. Yeah. Can I just ask you one well, quick question? Deep. I know you got you got to go. Cut anything you want. You but got? I was just – so we all have painful moments, and I'm not doing this as a rub, salt in the wound thing because you came back the next year and I think went to the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, that – that Blazers rocket series when Dame hit that shot at point nine. Oh, that day. Yeah. yeah. Because like, it, it's crazy. It was so close to being the other way. Yeah. The, the Blazers had taken the first two in Houston and yeah. then Lamarcus Aldridge started, put up like 45 a game four, back to back. Game. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was crazy. And, um, it, then you went up three, one and then the Rockets yeah. came and back sl- and it was three two Because you know, we were not going to take the next game. Exactly. We were not going to win the next game. And it was a last second broken play when Chandler uh, Parsons, Chandler Parsons puts it up a little. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was so, the game. So you're asking, how do I feel about Dame's because game winner? Yeah. Yeah. What, what was, I mean, we, we, we've all experienced pain. Um, can I be, can I be honest yeah. with you? Yes. So in the moment, everything you said is correct, right? It was a huge disappointment. I remember actually, uh, I think, after one of those losses, I saw Chandler Parsons. I was getting, I went to like a late night, you know, food spot called Katz's in Houston. And I, I remember seeing Chandler Parsons there after one of the losses. And we were just like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, how did they blow this? And everyone was down. Um, and yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge went nuts. Uh, you know, the Rockets blew it. They couldn't guard him. Kevin McHale wouldn't put Dwight Howard on him. It was just, it was a mess. Then 3-1, all that happens. And I thought, holy shit, we're about to come back. But Rockets fans know in the back of their minds, like, there's no way. And then, of course, Dame sinks the shot. In the moment, I was, just, I was heartbroken and just like, God damn. But now that I reflect on it this many years later, I honestly think it's just a cool shot by Dame. Because I don't yeah. think that Rockets team was going to beat the Spurs. And those right. Spurs, if I remember correctly, went on to win it all. Yeah. Um, and then the next year, what I, what I can't get over is the Chris Paul hamstring. Because, like, that, that was the year where I really thought the Rockets were going to win it all. And they were robbed of it. Whereas with the Blazers, it's like, yeah, it sucks. And like, yeah, they're, they're eternally on the receiving end of, you know, this highlight reel of Dame hitting this amazing shot, but it's replaced by Chris Paul's injury and Dame's game winner against the thunder was cooler. So like that replaces that one. It's almost it kind does, of forgotten, it? you know what yeah. I mean? So no, I, I'm a, look, Portland's one of my favorite non Houston teams. I've always been a fan of Portland because of the early Drexler Cliff, and Cliff Robinson teams just right. their uniforms I've liked and the sheet years. Like I've always liked Portland. So I really don't have any, any beef with that, with, with that. It's, it's a cool. That's memory. cool. That's cool. That's an interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting um, response. And, um, and you did, didn't the next season, didn't you guys take it? You, didn't you go? To the we went final, to the Western, the, we went to the Western conference finals the next season. Western, so like, I said, Eastern. Yeah. That would yeah, have been so, weird if you got to the Eastern conference finals. <laughs> so all those things put together, just kind of like, like it's yeah. a, you know, it's a scar, but it's, it's healed over time. It's yeah. not a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So kind of, kind of like that. But, That's um, interesting. But Kelly, thank you so much. Thank you. I had a blast, man. Um, and Zach, any, any final thoughts? Thank you, Zach, by the way, Zach's had to go for a while. He's stuck around. Thank you. We oh, sorry, it. brother. Uh, all good. No, I got, got an interview I got to get to, but uh, okay. really appreciate Kelly. Been wanting to do this since a while. 
Dollar Bill, one of my favorite characters of all time. Keep up the good fight and can't wait to watch it play out and best of luck with those Blazers. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was great talking to you guys. Cheers. Likewise. Gary Stamper, baby. <laughs> Stamper out. say uh kelly my one of my best friends the producer actually of the show gray um named his dog dawkins after daryl dawkins so oh sweet (laughs) fun fact all right coming full circle there you go (laughs)